0: Hello and welcome to Quarter Time Podcast in partnership with
1: Lovell Netball. I'm Lucy G. And I'm Lucy P. And we're here to bring you all the netball goodness you never knew you needed. As listeners of the pod will know, we are passionate about netball and women's sport. So it's really disappointing to hear that three in five girls skip sport on their period due to fear of leaking.
0: However, our friends at Modibody have teamed up with Puma to launch their brand new super absorbent leak-proof two-in-one active shores. The shorts hold up to two to three tampons worth of blood, meaning that you can wear them to stay active at any time of the month. And the added bonus is that they are super flattering and make you look like a total athlete. They even make me look like an athlete, which is saying something.
1: (laughs) As sponsors of the podcast, Modibody are delighted to offer our listeners an exclusive 15% discount at modibody.com if you use the code QTRmodibody. You can find all the T's and C's and the code in our podcast notes. So go check it out. Hello everyone and thank you for tuning in to episode four of our Netball World Cup coverage and today's episode is a recap of days three, four and five. So Luce, how are you doing? You enjoying the competition so far? I am loving life. I've got netball up to my eyeballs and I can't get enough of it. As it should be, as it should (laughs) be. So do you want to let us know what's coming up exactly on the show today? Yes, so as I mentioned,
0: we're going to review all the action from day four and five and bring you up to date with all the results from the competition. So far, we're then going to reveal our quarter time trio. So that's the shooter, mid quarter and defender who we've been impressed with over the last few days. And finally, we're gonna look ahead to day six of the competition and give our matchup of the day prediction.
1: Amazing. Oh, I'm really looking forward to this one. So the preliminaries one are done and dusted, and we're well into the second stage of the competition now. We're recording this at lunchtime on day five. If you've missed any of the action from days one to three, we covered everything you need to know in our live podcast. So you can listen back to that on Twitter now, just head to at quartertime pod. So, Luce, do you want to run us through all the pools for this stage of the competition and where we're at with all the teams? Oh, I thought you'd never ask, Liz. I'd <laughs> love to. So, for Pool E,
0: who are competing for 13th to 16th place, we've got Barbados on two wins, uh, Singapore on one win, Sri Lanka and Zimbabwe on no wins. And then we've got Pool F and Pool G, who are both competing for places 1st to 12th. In Pool F, we've got Australia and England, who are undefeated. Malawi, who lost to England and Australia. Scotland, who have no wins in Pool F yet. Tonga, who defeated Fiji. And Fiji, who also have no wins in Pool F. And then in Pool G, we've got New Zealand and Jamaica, who are undefeated. Uganda, who lost to Jamaica and New Zealand. South Africa, who lost to Jamaica, but haven't yet played Uganda. Uganda. Wales, who have no wins in Pool G yet, and Trinidad and Tobago, who also have no wins in Pool G yet.
1: Okay, well, I think I'm up to speed. I feel a bit sorry for Wales because they have a really tough pool. Mate, pool of death, I told yeah, you. absolutely. And um, before we get into our summaries, some huge news from yesterday. So New Zealand will play the rest of the tournament without Grace Nweki due to a knee injury, and she's been replaced by Tiana Maturo. And Anise Potkeater has also been ruled out for South Africa with another knee injury, injury, replaced by Owethu Ngbane. Fortunately, both of these sides have been able to take their travelling reserves, as they are here in Cape Town. But this isn't actually the case for all countries. So if an injury to a different country happened, they may not be able to have that replacement. But what are your thoughts on this situation, Luce, and how it will impact both teams?
0: I mean, first and foremost, my heart goes out to Grace and knees. like how absolutely devastating. But I think particularly for knees to have a World Cup on home soil and only be able to take part in one or two games, like absolutely devastating. And I think it's quite a, it's also quite a tough position for the shooter who's been brought in. And we saw a post-match interview with Tiana Maturo, who said, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to feel guilty about it. And mm. it's it's really, really hard. Um, but I wish them both well in their recovery and the two new, new shooters who've come in. I wish them well in the competition as well. But I think it's going to be a, a big impact for both teams because it's both their starting shooters. Yeah.
1: Well, I think if any team lost their starting shooter, yeah. they would struggle potentially apart from Australia? Uh, Well, I don't know. In the
0: form that Cara Cohn has been in, I think they'd struggle as well, but Mm. probably not as much as other teams, you're right.
1: Yeah, it's it's really difficult for them. And, you know, obviously just sending our best wishes to both of those players for speedy recoveries. Obviously, Grace hopefully has got a few more World Cups in her. She's only young, 21, I think. So, you know, um, fingers crossed for her to come back bigger and and better and stronger.
0: Yeah, but I just think... You know, Noel said in the post-match interview, praise be for this rule being in yeah. place. Like it. Yeah, it Imagine,
1: is- you know, two top five nations losing their shooter in the first four days of the competition. That yeah. would have been uh, horrific if and they'd then, ha- then been down to three.
0: And having to play with three shooters, yet yeah, England chose to play with three shooters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll skip past that. We'll skip past that. Although Nat has been playing a fair yes. bit of goal attack. She has. You know. She has indeed. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on to some of our game summaries then from day four. So Australia on that day played Scotland and defeated them 77 to 37. And this was always going to be a pretty tough game for Scotland, but they played well, all things considered, and did manage to win some ball Mm -hmm. off the Aussies. Shooting percentage was down for them due to just immense pressure from the defenders, 70% at the end of the game, with Australia shooting at 90%. Australia's centre pass to goal was actually 85%, which is pretty difficult to stop mm-hmm. and JLP is a standout for the Aussies so far particularly after not being selected for the Commonwealth Games last year she is shining for the diamonds oh see what you did there <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah no she's having a cracking tournament so far Following this then on day four, it was Zimbabwe versus Barbados with Barbados taking the win at 62 to 45. And for me, I just thought Zimbabwe were unusually scrappy to start this game. There was lots of misconnections on court. There's about three incorrect throw-ins, which are just unforgivable. So those kind of silly errors really cost them. Barbados took advantage of this though and really put their foot down with a punishing 20 to seven second quarter. In the post-match interview, the Zimbabwe assistant coach hired highlighted how the preparations for them from the 2019 World Cup and the 2023 were were quite different. Mm. And now they're starting to suffer from a bit of fatigue. So it's something that he's actually identified and has been very upfront about, which is, um, you know, quite interesting to see from a coach um I just really hope they can get a win on the board soon because they absolutely deserve it
1: yeah I think so too and you know it is a shame given how well they performed last year but it's a completely you know new group of players it's a new challenge for them and you know we'll just have to see how they go for the rest of the competition next up we had Wales versus New Zealand Wales being defeated by 83 goals to 34 in this one and in summary Wales were outmuscled by a fiery and slick New Zealand side in this game Wilson was given the start and uh, she shot 49 from 49 in 45 minutes which is a <laughs> pretty big statement <laughs> and she was moving well and combining very beautifully with Eekgnacio there is obviously a lot of pressure on her now with uh, weke out and I think that is the combination that Knowles is going to go for. For. Tiana Maturo came on partway through the third quarter, kicking off her campaign like you mentioned. But I just think the Silver Ferns, they are so quick on their transition from attack to defence. So even when Wales did manage to win the ball, which was very difficult to do, it was then so hard to keep hold of it. Wales had a 40% gain to goal rate to New Zealand's 89%, mm. which is quite stark. Nancy Cutie for Wales played both goalkeeper and goal shooter in this game, which I don't think cool. we see very often, apart from Kadeen Corbyn recently <laughs> for Barbados. But personally, I think the goal shooter is where she shines best, although she can provide a solid GK option too.
0: Yeah, her elevation is absolutely nuts. I've really enjoyed watching her. Uh, following this, then we had Fiji versus Malawi. Uh, Malawi took the win 62 to 48 but Fiji started so strong they went up by like two or three goals but Malawi just said not today (laughs) and then steamrolled their way through the rest of the quarter to have a 10 goal lead going into quarter two wow Fiji did bounce back at the start of the second half and actually drew the third quarter 11-0 which I think given that they're ranked sixth and 19th in the world like that's pretty incredible that's a big win Um, It was also a brilliant day at the post for both sides with an overall shooting percentage of 92% for both teams. Wowza! Go shooters. Next up, we then had Jamaica versus Uganda, and Jamaica took the win 61 to 49. Another confident win for them, but I would say it was a bit of a tale of two halves for me. The first half was incredibly dominant, tenacious, relentless. But in the second half, when the changes rang in, the attacking connections just completely broke down for Jamaica and Uganda were able to turn over so much more ball. Uganda actually won the third quarter by five and drew the last quarter. So they won the half overall. Um, They only lost by 10 to New Zealand and now 12 to Jamaica. So, you know, those aren't massive margins, you know, give them five years or so and some serious investment and they will be the next big thing. I'm telling you now. Yeah, I
1: actually think South Africa versus Uganda is going to be extremely spicy. And important, actually. Yeah, critical for both teams. Next up we had Sri Lanka versus Singapore. Oh this was a cracking game with Singapore taking the win 55 to 52 and there was only one in it at halftime after two real seesaw quarters to start the game. Both sides actually ended on equal gains and a very similar centre pass to goal rates. There wasn't much in it at all. Singapore just had the edge on game to goal percentage with 83 to Sri Lanka's 67 and this is the first time I believe that Singapore have beaten Sri Lanka since 2014. Wow. They lost heavily to them at the last netball world cup and a standout performer was the singapore goal defense jamie Lim with four gains and six deflections who also earned player of the match sri lanka just seemed a bit startled by how plucky resilient and composed singapore were particularly for such a young side
0: yeah absolutely love that for them and the the post-match interview you did like the smiles on the faces were just something else it was gorgeous Next up, then, we had South Africa versus Trinidad and Tobago. South Africa taking the win at 69 to 28. And it was a big score margin for South Africa, as we expected. And after the news of Linise Potgita also being ruled out of the tournament, I think they were no doubt looking for a kind of whole team performance to really bring them together and unite them. And I think it's fair to say that they did that in this game. We also saw the blood in of their replacement shooter, and Ngobane. Although something I can't understand the logic behind is only giving her seven minutes in the game when they were up by like 40 goals. Yeah, I would have brought on for at least a whole quarter. Yeah. So slightly puzzled by the Plums' decision making there. As if I'm sat here criticising the club, like what is <laughs> life? <are> you? <laughs> but for Trinidad and Tobago, the general player turnovers were the death of them. They had 21 in the first half alone and then 47 in total. They really struggled to bring the ball through court in attack, which was evidenced by their centre-passer goal rate, which was just 38%. Ooh,
1: yikes. Yeah. Next up then, the final game on day four was Tonga versus England with England taking a 72-46 to 46 win and a 26-goal win for England is probably a true reflection of the experience levels of these two sides and England had m- m- many more gains, 24 actually in this game. Liv shot 100% when she came on in the second half and I personally thought the matchup between Gerard and Cardwell was worth <laughs> the price of entry. Uh, Fran and Imo also stood up and I really felt that England were able to exploit some indecision on the side of Tonga uh Julita Veve wasn't afraid to muscle up against Imo and Jade and I actually noticed in this game how good her change of pace is mm. we often talk a lot about change of direction but yeah. I think change of pace is such an underused skill and it can be really lethal and England had uh, just seven general play turnovers in this game according to the stat sheet so that's a big improvement
0: yeah, there's so, much, so many talking points to come out of this game. I think Imo was a um, bit of a revelation for me in this game. I've really enjoyed how she's come on. Yeah, her I think her and
1: centre is the way forward.
0: Yeah, I think it is. And then Jade, if you need someone to yep. steady the ship or fresh legs.
1: So first up on day five, then we had Barbados versus Singapore. 55 Barbados, 50 Singapore. Another cracking game with both sides coming off confidence boosting wins on day four. Each team won two quarters and Kadeem Corbin shot 41 from 43 at 95%, which is super impressive. And it really feels like Barbados have found a settled lineup, and they're just getting into their groove now. They've yeah. got Kadeem Corbin back at goal shooter, which I know you're a fan of, Lou. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> and despite having 19 general play turnovers to Singapore's nine, Barbados just dug deep to win the final quarter by five and it's actually the first time they've won a final quarter so far in the competition. From a Singapore perspective, I've been really impressed by their. I think their matchup against Zimbabwe is going to be very spicy. Yeah, I mean potential game of the day there. Because
0: Zimbabwe are going to be gunning for their wins. So Mm -hmm. yeah, let's see. And then finally it was Australia versus Malawi. Australia taking the win at 70 to 46. And what a game. Like we were losing our minds in the arena. I have to say, since Malawi have been playing Kunwenda at goal attack, I think they've made a noticeable improvement. But that being said, in this game in particular, there were definitely times that her lack of goal attack experience showed as she was often caught either standing still or just... Just generally not having a high enough work rate, like that, that entry into the circle was so important for a goal attack. And I think that's where she was suffering a little bit, but you have to give Malawi credit for this game. They caused Australia to lose their first quarter of the tournament in the second quarter, which they took uh, 15 to 12, but it was Australia's superior fitness that kind of saw them through in the end and they did dominate in the second half which yeah. I think is to be expected you know yeah
1: agreed and I mean that yeah that second half was a bit of a steamroller it's a shame yeah. it wasn't a bit closer but I think Malawi can take a lot of confidence from that game for sure for sure coming up next we'll reveal our quarter time trio and look ahead to our matchup of the day from day six So Luce, the Netball World Cup is here. And as you know, I simply could not be more excited. Oh mate,
0: tell me about it. It's the biggest event of the Netball calendar. And what better way to show your support for the Roses than by heading to UK and picking yourself up some of the Roses
1: fanware. Of course. And I actually have this, okay, this is a bit embarrassing, but I have this weird superstition (laughs) that when I watch England play, I have to be wearing some kind of kit, like a top or a hoodie or something. Otherwise, I convince myself that if they don't win, it was all my fault. Oh my God, that is literally insane.
0: Uh, But At least (laughs) you and our listeners can get 15% off at Netboards at Cody UK with the code NETPOD15 until the end of August.
1: Amazing. Happy shopping, guys. Let's take a look at our quarter time trio from the last couple of days. Do you want to kick us off? I do indeed. So as a shooter myself,
0: I've (laughs) taken the attacking option today. Honourable mentions to uh, you know what? It's actually so hard to select. There's so <laughs> many people we could have gone through, but you know, Komwenda and, and and Vula having great tournaments. Talliard, although her accuracy is not quite there, her playmaking's amazing. Palavi from Tonga, and um, Shahal from Singapore. Like so many options, but I've actually gone with our home bird, Helen Halsby.
1: <laughs> I'm sure she'd love being described as a home bird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She shot 100% in the first two games of the competition. She shot 12 from 13 at 92% in half a game against Scotland. She shot 29 from 33 at just under 88% in 37 minutes against Tonga. Plus she has the joint highest feeds with Nat Metcalf. So overall in the competition so far, she's shooting at 94%. And I think for a goal attack, a goal attack who has her level of work rate as well and playmaking, that is absolutely exceptional. And I think the reason that I also chose Housby is that we can't look past the fact that Nat Metcalf has looked a little bit off pace in terms of that attacking unit and there's been a lot of um unforced errors coming her way so I think Helen Housby's picked up the slack in that sense and she, she's really stood up and having come off the back of an incredible SSN season where she must just be knackered, but mm. she's not showing it at no. all yeah. yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, completely agree. It's something interesting as well that they did in the Tonga game is Howesby at goal shooter and Cardwell at goal attack. Mm. And I actually think that's the way forward for us. Because Ooh. I think it's something interesting and different to bring on in the second half. And that could be the difference when we come up against the top teams, of if they've started to figure out the combination, that we can get that movement going in the circle. And actually, they, they've been playing so well and they do that switch. And it just means that the goalkeeper and the goal defence just half a second behind don't know what they're doing Mm. because it's slightly less predictable so i think that could be the way forward
0: yeah i definitely think i think i'd probably bring it on at half time rather than starting with it yeah because i think i i really like cardwell in goal shooter and i like it when she plays somewhat of a more holding shooter but like you say when you do switch them it then becomes much more rotational so Mm -hmm. completely mixes it up so yeah i quite like that actually yeah exactly so, moving on to our midcore, Luce, who have we got?
1: So, I've gone for Taquanda Lawazi yes. from Malawi. I know you'd be pleased with this one, Luce. But again, honorable mentions to JLP. I think Sasha Corbin's done really well. Thandi Galetta from Malawi as well, the wing attack. But yeah, Luazi has been a standout for me. She had 39 feeds and 51 minutes against Barbados. And that was the most on court by a pretty long chalk. She also had three games and two pickups. And then backed it up with 28 feeds in 52 minutes against Fiji. 29 feeds in 45 minutes against Australia and four pickups. So stats wise, she's doing really well. At the end of day four, she was also third for goal assists in the tournament. Now, what's interesting for me is not that typical for the center to be the main feeder for the team, but she's, it's just testament to how hard she works. She just gives mm. and gives and gives again. And actually, if you look at her stats, the goal assists are where she's really leading. Yeah. So the feeds that she's putting in, it's not just that she's putting in a large number of feeds, they're actually Getting the shooters in good position and they're well placed. She's not the tallest, 165 centimetres, so only 1.5 centimetres taller than me. (laughs) But boy, she can run for days and pick up ball from just her pure speed. Mm. Uh, I think that in general, she's so critical for Malawi and she's one of those players that really goes under the radar.
0: Yeah, I could not agree more. Like she's, her and Margaret Bagler are t- the two mid-quarters who aren't just obsessive at the moment. And I think Lawazi just balances the court so beautifully. She plays with incredible patience. And personally, like, I am begging begging netball gods hear me please let her be picked up by an nsl side if she's interested in coming over of yep. course um but i would i would love to have her in our tournament
1: yeah agreed she is managing a knee injury at the moment so she I was at the last one yeah well. she was as well at the last competition so i think yeah it's important for her to manage that because yeah she's so critical for malawi yeah so looking at our defender then loose who have you gone for
0: well, our Aussie listeners will be delighted to hear that I've gone for Courtney Bruce. Mm. I think, you know, honourable mention to um my girl for Doju, uh, but, you know, we've already had Helen Housley, so I'm <laughs> trying to keep it balanced. Um But yeah, Bruce, I think, has been absolutely outstanding so far. At the end of day four, she was top of the leaderboard for interceptions and gains and third for deflections. Like, that is nuts. And she's not playing every single minute, so yeah. that's with reduced court time. She had 11 games against Fiji, six against Scotland and four against Malawi. But she's doing it so cleanly. She's not in the top 15 for contact or obstruction penalties by the end of day four. So, you know, a lot of people criticise her for a kind of, um brutishness physicality physicality but actually she's being incredibly clean mm. um and you can't really take that away from her and you know she had two player of the match performances as well like she is killing it she's a she's a threat
1: yeah I, I think she's a contender for player of the tournament yeah absolutely for sure. and you know I wouldn't put money on her not being player of the match in the final that's how good she's looking at the moment yeah definitely so coming up this afternoon, we have Tonga versus Scotland, Zimbabwe versus Sri Lanka and Fiji versus England. Any of those stand out to you, Luce? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to pick one, actually. I think Tonga versus Scotland,
0: I, I can't really call it. I think Tonga might have the edge, but I think that could be a really spicy battle. But also Zimbabwe and uh, Sri Lanka. I really want Zimbabwe to get a win. I just love them so much. Um So yeah, those are the two that I've got my eye on. Fiji and England, of course, I think will be entertaining, but England should take it comfortably.
1: And interesting, you mentioned that game loose because the Fiji goal attack went down with an injury yesterday. Una Raluni, who we were raving about in the last episode. So, yeah, yeah fingers crossed for her. I hope she's okay. But looking then at our matchup of the day, which one have we gone for, Luce?
0: So we could not look past South Africa versus New Zealand. And the reason that we've chosen this is because it is a crunch match, essentially. Yeah. If South Africa don't win this, then they most likely won't advance to the semi. So it's a do or die moment in a home World Cup. Uh, So that is primarily why it's our matchup.
1: Yeah. I mean, on form, you'd have to give it to New Zealand, really. But I mean, you, you can't, uh, you can't underestimate South Africa. They have been known to pull, pull it out of the bag at the Mm -hmm. last minute and. Yeah, Noel's actually mentioned how they've got to come up against the not only South Africa and Coach Plum, but the <laughs> South African fans as well tomorrow. So, yeah, really interesting and important game.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, there's a few people for South Africa who I think have really stood up. I think Bongi and Somi. She's really kind of living like in the vibe of the home mm. World Cup and the African, the South African crowd, and it, it's just incredible. I think Pumza Mawaney as well is kind of. I actually think she's kind of carried the load a bit in defence yeah. I've been slightly underwhelmed with Carla Pretorius at times interesting I think it might be an unpopular level of opinion yeah. there, but I, I think Mawaini has been the kind of driving force of the Mweni Pretorius partnership. yeah
1: but I do think as well they are starting to get back some of the old yeah, vibes yeah. and Carla actually said that in the press conference I think it was yesterday that it, she said it's starting to feel like mm. the old days with Pumza you know their combo goes way back Yeah. and so if they can be firing against New Zealand then who knows but I, I think it'll probably go to New Zealand yeah I agree so, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Quarter Time Podcast. As you know, we are bringing you daily coverage from the Netball World Cup with new episodes, live podcasts, and social media content. So, do keep your eye on our social channels for all the info you need, including our content schedule. Make sure you subscribe to
0: the podcast and follow us on social media at quarter time pod for the latest netball updates. Do get involved in the conversation online like we love chatting to you. So many of you have been in touch and it's amazing. Let us know what you think of the matches throughout the World Cup, which players you've got your eye on. We genuinely love hearing from you.
1: We also have two more live podcasts coming up. The next one is Thursday, 3rd of August at 2pm South Africa time. So that's 1pm in the UK. And the final one will be Saturday, 5th of August at 8.30pm South Africa time. So 7.30 in the UK. Uh, Guests to be announced soon. Got some goodies in there. (laughs) 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 Goblins over here. Um, But anyway, we record on Twitter Spaces. So make sure to head to at quarter time pod for all the details.
0: And finally, before we let you go, we'd really appreciate if you could take a moment to rate and review. As it genuinely helps other people to find the podcast. If you enjoy listening to the pod, do let us know and spread the word with your netball power so that even more people can get involved. Don't forget as well to take advantage of our exclusive fifteen percent discount with Lovell Netball by entering the code Netpod15 at the checkout at LovellNetball.co.uk. You can get yourself some stash in time for the exactly. finals. Exactly. Yes. Uh, take care, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.